As we're finding our seats, how'd everybody do? Did you talk about it? It's a, it is a weird question. I know it's not often you come to a church and we're like, hi, welcome to Golden Sands Baptist. Rate your worship experience today. I mean, technically Google does that. It's one of the weirdest things. I don't know if any of you have seen that, but Facebook and Google, people will do ratings for churches and it is a weird feeling as people are like rating their worship experience. But the reason we ask this question is because it's worth us knowing. We're trying to look at the next year and where God is calling us to. And we wanna know how well are we working in the areas that God has called us to. And the best way to know is by asking you rather than me knowing myself. So did everybody get a chance to think about the question? If you didn't, I'm gonna ask you to do it anyway. What we're gonna do is a rough straw poll. So this, I think we survived this last week. Everybody mostly has fingers on the hand. Everybody's got five fingers on their hand. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna ask you to throw up if you think we're like one, we have a long way to go, five, we're amazing, never change. On the count of three, I'm gonna ask you to put your hand up on the air on a scale of one to five of how well do you think we empower each other to live a life of worship, okay? And again, you can say one, you're not gonna get like cast out or ostracized, you are allowed to say that. It makes sense to everybody? Yeah? Okay, ready? On the count of three, I want your rating, one to five with your hand in the air. One, two, three, go. Okay, all right, cool. All right, so we've got Threes, some fours, a couple of twos, a couple of ones, cool. A couple of ones, a couple of threes, a five, a five, ooh, a five, awesome. All right, cool, what I wanna do is I just wanna hear a snapshot. If you were four or five, can you keep your hand up? If you were a four or five, put up your hands, four or five, can, just a snapshot, why? What, what's your reasoning behind that? Uh, should be MC1, is it on? Oh, don't worry, we'll wait, we'll pause. Sorry, the microphone is for the live stream, otherwise people online can't hear anything. Yeah. Um, being empowered to worship God, I feel like your music's loud enough that you can't hear me sing, so I can yeah. do what I like. <laughs> cool, awesome, fair enough, awesome, cool. Other four and fives, I think Annie had a five. Any other four and fives? Music always uh, in our everyone's heart. It looks like we worship God, God come down with us. I mean, in the midst of us, it's really like a Holy Spirit come down each week, uh, I feel like. So wherever they doing work is excellent or not excellent, they always bring up in power of us. And we worship God and we've been with God. Oh, cool. That's encouraging, isn't it, Dan? Where's Dan? That's nice to hear. Um, other fours and fives. Can you check up your hand? Yeah, we got... Was that? Yeah, Sarah. Yeah. Cool. Um, I thought we're doing pretty well in worship because it's not just in music, the way yeah. we worship God. Yeah, um, totally. Look at today how many connect groups we've got, right? Yeah. And there's different ways in nature that we can come together and worship God together. Yeah. Um, it's in church. It's out of church, too. And so I think we're doing... Cool, did the battery die? Cool, but who, for those of you who missed that, it's just, there's lots of opportunities and it's more than just Sunday morning. There's lots of different spaces for that. Any other fours and fives while Carl's fixing that? This is, it's really helpful for us to know because as a leadership, we're listening and we're paying attention and we wanna build on our strengths. Um, you had a four, I believe, Hunter. Well, you mean worship or sermons? Both. Worship, just oh. it's a big, big term. 
Okay, I can sing as loud as I want, and I don't really mind having big voice cracks while I'm singing. Hey. Hey. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Um, we had quite a few threes. Any hands up for threes? Any threes? Yeah. Lynn, did you do a three? I, thought, sorry, I see that hand. Okay, I, I think that um, we're really um, moving together in terms of, of worshipping together and reaching out to God, and I think the Holy Spirit is moving. Um, but I think we could probably um, grow in that freedom, being comfortable with one another. Awesome. Cool. Any other threes? Come on. Yeah. I think about the big picture of how are we leading people to encounter God, and I think we're doing a good job of doing that within the house of God on a Sunday morning, say, um, but how are we bringing other people who, who don't already know and have a relationship with God into an encounter and then worship of God? It's kind of average. Great. Any other threes? There were lots of threes. I'd love to hear some more of those thoughts. This is really, really helpful. Any threes? Yeah, yeah, John. Uh, yeah, I think we just give people a, a good variety of options to empower themselves through the singing, through the prayer, through the connect groups. Uh, I think there's always room for improvement somewhere. Yeah. Awesome. All right, now I want to know from the ones and twos who say we have room to grow. If you are a one and a two, could you check up your hand? I'd love to hear from you. Genuinely, you are allowed. Were there any ones and twos? There were some. You're getting scared. You are allowed. Again, one and two doesn't mean you hate this church. You are allowed to say we have a long way to go. Any ones and twos? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I think it's really important that the, the, the worship on a Sunday, it actually leads the people into worship. And sometimes it can feel a little bit performancey and that, um, yeah, it's, it's not really allowing the um, congregation to really be comfortable in, in that place of, of where, they are, when, where they can sing on the notes that they can sing um, comfortably and then get into worship. Oh. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I did number two. <laughs> um, but I, I was just thinking more about, like, I love the gimmels because that's real worship to me of God just when people are sharing amazing things that have happened, answered his prayer. So to me, I'd like to see that really a regular thing. So it's encouraging people to worship God and increase their faith as well. Yeah, awesome. So moving beyond just singing. Yep. Any other one? Yeah, yeah, Bruce. I'm another 2.5. Um, <laughs> In 1 Corinthians 2, it talks about a demonstration of the power of God. And I think for that to happen, we need to flow more into the gifts and ministry of the Holy Spirit, flowing and ministering through as many as possible in the congregation. Awesome. This is really helpful. I know sometimes people feel weird, like, you're not allowed to say anything negative in church. You are allowed to. It's okay. We're in this together. We're growing. This is, like, important for us. It's really good. Yeah, Heather. Just um, moving past singing. Like, worship's not just singing. There's so many other bits to worship, and not even just at church. Yep, so opening up other spaces. Anyone else want to jump in? Oh, yeah, bro. Uh, worship to me is 
it should kind of feel like getting into a hot bath. You get in, you just kind of relax, and you're like, ah, oh, yeah. And you just feel like no one's around you. You can just relax, and you can do what you want. And I feel like uh, worship here is a little bit uniform. Like, I don't see a lot of people really expressing themselves, or if that makes sense, I don't really know. Cool. This is fascinating to me. Oh, yeah, Kelly, last one, last one. It's taken me a while to figure out what I want to say, but I want to get drunk in the Holy Spirit, and I feel we need to be uninhibited, and I'm still waiting for more. Right, okay. Um, Explanations. Um, Some of you may not know what that phrase means, drunk in the Spirit. That is a very good Christian phrase. Uh, It's a phrase that charismatics often use to say, like, really, really filled with the Spirit. And uh, not that dissimilar from, like, setting into a warm bath of God's presence, where you just relax and you don't worry so much about your inhibitions and you really sense God's presence filling you. So that's what that means for anyone who doesn't understand. Um, It's really, really helpful. In case anyone's wondering, because it's hard to see, we probably had like 20% that were like fours and fives. We probably had like, probably around 50% that were threes. And then we had probably about 20% that were ones and twos. That doesn't equal 100 because I'm a pastor, not a mathematician. So don't check me on that. This is really, really helpful, and I think it's a really, really important question for us to grow with. Um, We're going to be working through that. Like I said, we are in the middle of a vision series where we are looking to feel who is God calling us to be in the future. We are only a couple years old as a church, and we feel like God is calling us to stand on our own two legs. We're no longer a small, sprightly church plant anymore. Um, we now have a responsibility to walk into the calling that God has given us, and we are exploring what that looks like. So last week we did, um, we believe that God is making all things new. We want to see Papamoam be made new by the gospel, where there's new life, there's transformation, families are healed, people are restored, individual lives are brought back into fulfillment with God. And we believe that the way God is calling us to do that is through four really basic boring things that are really important. Mission which is what we talked about last week, which is outreach, thinking outside of ourselves. And today we are talking about worship, and it's a really, really important one. Um, Real quick, just feeding back a little bit from last week, we had a whole discussion last week with all kinds of things, and we asked two questions at the end, and I wanna share it back to you, because what we're trying to do is when we talk about the vision and the direction of our church, Normally, the way this works is that some charismatic pastor who can talk good words um, will come up to the front of the stage and say to you, church, I have visited the mountain, and this is the vision. Please sign on to it and give us your money, right? Like that, it's often the way it can be done. I'm being cynical. It's not that bad. But what we're trying to do here is a little bit different. In hearing God, rather than me going to a mountaintop to hear, I believe that Jesus is leading us and is speaking to us. And the most clear way that Jesus speaks is not through my personal quiet times, but it's here in the community. Whether this is your first time and you are a visitor here today or whether you've been here since the beginning, I believe Jesus wants to speak through you. So it's worth taking the time to stop and listen to one another because I think God's going to speak to us together. So that's why we're spending time talking to each other. I know it's weird, lots of places haven't done it, but to us at this church, it really, really matters. And so this was some of the feedback we had from last week. What does a level five missional church look like? Some fascinating things. Uh, A level five missional church is inclusive and culturally diverse. 
It's reaching out to different groups and different ethnicities, and it pays attention to Māori tikanga and the bicultural journey. Um, it serves alongside the poor. We had lots of discussions of food banks and buildings available for showers and meals. Um, it cares for the youth. We talked about youth counselors and safe spaces. It's active in evangelism, sharing our faith. Um, it's values-driven. We learn to be good listeners. The way we engage is driven by core values, which we give our time rather than just our money. Um, we're involved internationally beyond New Zealand. The church is global and we're involved in that. And then finally, oh, there's a glare. Meets practical needs. Um, so we do real practical things, and one of the ideas was giving a significant portion of our budget always allocated to things outside of ourselves. This is pretty cool, eh? Now, we can't do everything in one day, but I, I think perhaps there are probably one or two of these things that might be the key area for us to focus on for the next couple of years. So be thinking about that, okay? Send me emails. I like your emails. I don't always respond in time, but I do like them, okay? So send those to me. The other question we asked are, what are the biggest needs in Papamoa? And again, some fascinating things came up. Number one, by far, was a real sense of loneliness and a need for connection. Lots of people are needing places to belong, to meet, groups to be a part of, which makes our connect groups really significant. We're already doing something really big in our community. If one of the biggest needs is connection, then God's already led us in a really healthy way. It's cool, right? Um, schools and youth, there's a huge need for youth uh, counseling, social work in our schools. Um, finance and housing, uh, we talked about big needs around affordable accommodation, um, jobs post-COVID, um, financial education. Um, this one was huge, mental health and good relationships. Heaps of conversations about high rates of depression, anxiety in our community, um, and also difficult relating, parents not knowing how to deal with difficult kids, uh, marriages breaking, breaking up, all that kind of stuff. Um, drugs, alcohol, and issues of justice, so drugs, crime, um, the criminal justice issues, how do we care for people out of prison? And then the last thing were just some miscellaneous things. So there's huge opportunities for retiree connections, working with organizations that are already doing it. A cafe in the church had a few people mention. So it's, it's interesting, eh? This is what's here. There's some really good stuff. And so if you feel like God might be highlighting some stuff to us, please let us know. This is what the elders and I are working through, and we're gonna have an AGM on the 22nd of November where we're gonna kind of put forward a budget and a plan for this. So you're welcome to participate in this. Isn't, I just think it's fascinating. It's really helpful for me as a pastor. So today we're talking about worship. And how do we, if God is making all things new, what role does meaningful, empowering worship play? And we know it's more than just singing. It's in empowering ourselves to live a life in response to God. Now, last week I talked about the challenge of getting bored, right? How easy it is to come to church and just be <sighs> really bored. You've heard that sermon before. You've heard that song before. Uh, your kids don't like the kids program, so they sit on your knee and they just keep bugging you the whole time. And it can be like Sunday morning and you're like, ah, oh, is it worth getting up to go into that hot building? <sighs> Their air conditioning is awful. Oh, amen. Oh, is it worth it? You know, and last week we talked about part of that is because we've lost sight of the end game, and part of that is, is mission. But I also think this relates to worship as well. Sometimes I think we lose sight of what we're hoping to encounter when we gather together, what we are hoping to do in our mornings when we read our Bibles and we pray, if you're lucky enough to have a calm morning to read your Bible and pray. 
we can lose sight of it. Because our lives get busy really fast, don't they? I mean, most of us are working jobs. If we don't have jobs, we have other obligations, family obligations that we're engaged with. And then when we have any spare time, we're usually trying to catch up on whatever Netflix binge is there because we're so mentally exhausted, we can't invest in anything else. And then because we're so mentally exhausted, we're binging some Netflix series. And then most of us are guilty of having their phones out at the same time, so you're double screening it. Or there's a screen there, and you're just scrolling through you have no idea what you're looking at, but you're looking at it. Anyone else guilty of double screening it? Yes, I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I identify with you. We're all terrible people together. Um, and I just had this sense that it's so easy. Our lives can get so monotonous so quick. And we fill up our routine and our day with the equivalent of spiritual junk food. We're just trying to get by and then we're so tired that we go to the quickest and easiest thing and we lose sight of what's on offer. Because deep down within every human heart is a deep longing for something more than just a nine to five job. Longing more than just the next Netflix series, longing for more than just scrolling through your phone for that next thing. Within each of us is a longing for the divine, the longing for meaning, the longing for something outside of ourselves, right? Like at its perfect space, the church should be a place where we encounter something different from our Monday to Friday, right? Um, there's a poet named Annie Dillard who is a Pulitzer Prize winning poet. She's fascinating. She, she engages with this struggle too, and she has real frustrations with her engagement in church. And the way she talks about it is fascinating. She talks, she goes back about a hundred years to the 1800s, to Britain and to America. And this is right in the midst of the industrial revolution. So people are starting to move from cities and or from rural communities and they're going into cities and they are working miserable jobs in factories. I mean, that was the age when you had child labor, kids who were six started working and then worked from like the six in the morning till about eight at night. The parents were working there with them and it was just monotonous. It was the age of coal and steam and grime and not good plumbing. Anyone who wants to go back to the past sounds like a terrible idea, doesn't it? Like London sounded like a cesspool in the 1800s. No part of me wants to go, now it's pretty. And what happened was, it's like peak modernity, it's peak industrial revolution, and you get heaps of people in the US and London who begin longing for the divine. They get frustrated with these long work hours in the factories, and you get the beginning of these quests for exploration. And particularly, the quest to explore the North and the South Poles. And what's fascinating is the language that they talked about it, the writers of the day, when they talked about the North Pole specifically, they talked about the longing for the pole of relative inaccessibility. It's a great phrase, isn't it? They were smart back then. It's looking for that point that is as far from land as you can be. It's so removed from anything else in this monotonous day-to-day -day industrial grime revolution. And when, they, when the first early explorers go and they write about it, they use almost divine language to talk about the North. They talk about these sublime, serene, snow-covered plains. They talk about these mountains layered in the eternal snow. And it's like they're encountering God there. They're longing for something more. Now, Annie Dillard, what's fascinating is she looks through the stories and she reads the stories and the journals of these explorers. 
and she laughs at the way they try to approach the divine. They're trying to explore something that is beyond everyday monotony, right? And then she laughs at the way they go about it. See, some explorers brought almost all of their humanity with them completely. Like some of the escapades were probably well over 100 people large, and they brought basically half of London with them. Like they had everything on sledges and trips, and they had a huge crew, and they were trying to feed everyone. I mean, it was, it was pretty fancy. Like they had backgammon. It took backgammon to the North Pole. Any of you guys trampers, you take backgammon on your tramps? No, it'd be a miserable idea, right? They took backgammon, and then they, they also found that they, in like the remains of them, uh, silverware, all embossed with their initials. Whole trays full of perfect silverware so that as they're making their way up, they could have the queen's dinner on their perfectly gilded plates. You know, and it's like they're looking for the divine, and they bring so much of their humanity and the monotony with them that they end up dying along the way with backgammon strapped to their back, trying to encounter the sublime, the pole of relative inaccessibility. Now, other groups flip to the complete opposite space, right? Rather than being too like nonchalant, yeah, we'll bring everything, we'll do it. They were like the hyper explorers. They didn't want anything to taint them. They didn't want anything of humanity to get stuck in the way. They didn't even want to go with anyone else because if another person was there, you could be sure they would blabber on the whole time. And who wants that? I want to encounter the pure divine of the North in its purity and its essence. And so they went alone. They trekked on their own because they wanted the most pure experience in the midst of that. And so they trekked up North. And honestly, Annie Delia talks about their... Um, their journals are beautiful. The way they write stirs your heart. It makes you think, wow, you want to see it. You want to experience it. Until she reminds you that she, they find all of their journals on their carcasses. Because none of them made it alone. Not a single person. They waxed eloquently until they froze. Because they just couldn't encounter it on their own. And it was this journey that she talks about of how nonchalantly, we long for the divine, but how wrong we often approach it in our own hearts and minds. How callously we try and go and we gauge, maybe we go alone or maybe we bring too much stuff. We long for more, but the way we go about it is sometimes ridiculous. And Annie Dillard then looks at that journey and then she cannot help but look at the church. And she says it's fascinating because when we come together as the church, we're talking about meeting with God, right? The God, the Jesus who rose from the dead and who sits on high. We believe that his spirit is speaking to us. But Annie Dillard, how, how do we approach the north? How do we go northing on our Sundays, on our time together? She says this. Why do people in churches seem like cheerful, brainless tourists on a package tour of the north, of the absolute? On the whole... I do not find Christians outside the catacombs sufficiently sensible of the conditions. Does anyone have the foggiest idea of what sort of power we so blithely invoke? Or as I suspect, does not one believe a word of it? She goes on to say, the churches are children playing on the floor with their chemistry sets, mixing up a batch of TNT to kill a Sunday morning. 
It's madness to wear ladies' straw hats and velvet hats to church. We should all be wearing crash helmets. Ushers should issue life preservers and signal flares. They should lash us to our pews. Fascinating, right? When I read, when I read her stuff and I got to there, I was like, ooh. <laughs> oh, how often I go northing looking for the divine, not really expecting to actually encounter anything. How often and how easy church can just become a ritual of motions that we do because it's culturally appropriate, but we miss the beating heart of who we are gathering towards. And for worship, throughout all of scripture, it has been a dangerous, rebellious activity. I mean, in the Old Testament, when they gathered for worship, it was a whole sequence of things that they had to do. They had the temple, they had the tabernacle, and the priest had to go through rituals. He had to cleanse himself. He had to go through these things. He had to say this step. He had to put his hand through this step. And he had to walk in carefully with a rope tied around his leg, lest he go in with the wrong attitude. He might die because they knew that in the temple, God dwelt there. That heaven and earth came together in a mysterious way that shook the foundations of the earth. And so when they went to worship, they prepared themselves. Because it's not like God is vindictive or just wanting to kill anyone. It's a little bit like that feeling like when you've been in the dark for so long and someone turns on a whole bunch of lights and how you just can't handle it. How often that's what it's like as God and humanity mix, heaven and earth comes together. It was huge. And it set Israel apart. Building onto that in the New Testament, that theme of heaven coming to earth, joining together in worship is this huge theme that we see. In fact, we see it most clearly in the life of Jesus. There God, perfect God comes and joins with humanity and everything we see about Jesus is a life of worship, a life of obedience, of the recognition that the Father is all around him. Jesus says, I don't say anything unless what the Father tells me. This was a life of worship for him. And then in Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection, he begins to open up the boundary lines of worship for us. See, for years and years, worship was bound to a place like this, with a holy place probably somewhere up here. But then through Jesus, God flings open wide the gates and says, heaven on earth used to only be in the temple for select few who could only dare get close to it. But now I am unleashing my spirit upon the whole earth. The author of Hebrews says it this way, day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. And again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which never really take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time, this one sacrifice for sins, talking about Jesus, he then sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who were being made holy. This heaven and earth joining together then suddenly gets unleashed to each and every one of us. That same powerful presence of God that was located in a set room is now opened up for you to encounter every day. 
It's meant to be experienced as we come together and pray. We join together. Jesus says, where more one or two of you are gathered, there I will be also. And his spirit is meant to draw here. The theologian Michael Bird says, worship is an intimate engagement with the triune God who seeks to meet us and satisfy the deepest longing of our hearts with the joy that only comes from the Father, Son, and the Spirit that they can impart. Worship becomes a mandate where we're taking up into the divine life of the Trinity. Viewed this way, and this is a fancy phrase, Trinitarian worship is the gift of participating through the Son in the incarnate Son, uh, through the Spirit in the incarnate Son's communion with the Father. Now I know that's fancy, right? So here's another way of saying it. Worship is encountering God and living from that reality. And our whole goal at a church needs to always have this at its core. That at the very core beginning of all things, we believe that we are trying to meet with the divine. That the raw power of God is somehow amongst us. And it should be terrifying and lovely and amazing all at the same time. The reason I talk about this is because we talked a lot about mission for the last few weeks, and it's really important that we think outwards. It's really important that we engage in our community. But here's a very real and sobering truth. We do not have the same skills of a social organization. We don't have the training of all the nonprofit staff. We don't have the history behind us to meet all the perfect needs in the area. We can't be a great just a social organization. We can't. At the end of the day, the only thing that we have that really makes us unique is the fact that Jesus has promised to walk with us. All we have to offer is him. And then we follow him bravely where he's going, but he's doing the work. And so worship is the, is the acknowledgement of the reality that Jesus is the heartbeat of everything that we do. And we want to orientate our lives around that truth. It means that, uh, what does that look like for us as a church? What does it mean to have worship constantly at the beating heart? It means that when people come here, I really want us to all believe that God is meeting with us because he is. It means that we are thinking of ways to challenge each other, not just on Sundays, but in our home lives, in our families. How do you encounter heaven and earth with your kids at 6 a.m. in the morning when you're tired? How do you find heaven and earth when you're working at your job with your coworkers? How does God's presence flow and flood and infect every single part and aspect of your life? And how do you live from that reality? What does prayer look like in that context? Perhaps prayer becomes more important than some of the other things we've been doing. Perhaps fasting and scripture becomes bigger values for us as a community. We have the opportunity to be known as a church that prays deeply. We have the opportunity to be a church that worships with abandon. We just have to choose what that will, and what that will be like. Now, we're going to finish and we're going to have some conversations together. But I know that at the end of this, some of you may be like, I don't have it in me. I'm stuffed. I can't do it. I am not that fancy of a person. And the truth is, you're right. None of us can. The great, wonderful mystery of being God's presence is it's not actually based by our high ability. Like Annie said, whether the band is great or whether the band is awful, that actually doesn't matter. Annie Dillard finishes her story by talking about the church this way. After being frustrated with it, she says this, weekly, we in the church 
set out for the pole of relative inaccessibility, where the twin oceans of beauty and horror meet, dignity and culture abandoned, silence and solitude abandoned, we join the motley, sublime, ludicrous people who show up in polar expeditions here in church congregations. She says this, week after week, we witness this same miracle, that God, for reasons unfathomable, refrains from blowing our dancing bear act to smithereens. Week after week, Christ washes the disciples' dirty feet, handles their very toes, and repeats, it is all right, believe it or not, to be people. That moment, heaven and earth coming together, our frailty, our worship, our joys coming in one worshipful response to God and God choosing to meet with us is the heart of everything that we do. And it has to stay that. And so what we're going to do next is to engage in a few questions with each other. We did this last week. I, I want to hear from you how we can grow and build on this because I believe that Jesus is going to speak to you and I want to hear his voice. So whether this is your first time or whether you are a regular here, there are two questions I'm gonna have you engage with in your groups, and the hosts are gonna come around with some clipboards, and I just want you to grab a clipboard and check through some ideas. It's not gonna be hard, and I want to hear your thoughts, okay? So, can I ask you, right now, in groups of like four or five, just turn your chairs around and gather together, and there's a few questions that I have for you, which, and the first one, which is, what would a level five worshiping church look like? We had level threes, we had level twos. What would a level five church look like? Does it involve fasting? Does it involve prayer? Does it involve a culture? Is it some values? What does a level five worshiping church look like? All right, can you turn into groups? Turn into your groups, um, put up your hands. We'll have some pencil and some pen. It's gonna be really easy. Introduce yourself to the people around you. It's going to be fine and we would love to hear where those things are at. All right, write down those thoughts, and real quick, we'll just hear a quick one or two things, just one or two things that kind of stuck out from your group. What defines like a level five worshiping church? Yeah, Kelly, go for it. Uh, so we said more gifts of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Um, coming to church with an attitude of worship, coming with excitement and expectation from how God has... Oh, oh yeah, just yeah, just a couple. That's perfect, Kelly. Thank you. That's good. That's really, really good. Sort of just to leave church differently than when they come in. Yep. Yeah. Cool. cool. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, evidence of a community using various gifts and uh, actively seeking God to be empowered to share Jesus within our community. Awesome. Really good. Which one do you want? Heaven. <laughs> yeah, Margaret. <laughs> Heaven of reflection where you can come any day of the week. Oh, that's really cool. That's really cool. Um, people should feel comfortable and also being able to uplift people in the community. Cool. Uh, one of many. <laughs> um, we felt that it's unfortunate that worship is often linked to only music and singing, yeah. whereas the Bible teaches clearly that it is far more than that. And one person in the group thought what was done yesterday um, at Cam and Amy's home 
was a great worship of yeah. God. Yeah, it's a beautiful act of worship. Awesome, thank you. There's some really interesting things here that are really helpful, particularly like we're designing a building, right, that one day we're going to worship in. These things are really helpful to know, like, what kind of building, like, it draws us into worship. So it's really, really helpful. Like, this isn't just lost. This is really, really good. What we're going to do is we're going to move on to the second question. We're going to co-edit all your stuff. Okay, one. All right, one, and then we're going to do the second question. I'm just going to say this because it didn't come from me. Mick and this good guy Trevor here came up with a circular stage with a stage in the middle and people around the outside and everyone's engaged. All right, there you go. There's an option. All right, so what we're going to do now, a second question. This is the last question. I want you to, in your groups, put a line and put a number two on it. And think about this. What are the obstacles we have to overcome? Are there any obstacles that we need to overcome in order to help our people to engage in worship? Again, it's not a ranking. It's not like we want to be a church where every single person has their hands up for the entire 20-minute singing period. Like, that is not at all what matters. But are there any things that are holding us back from a deeper life in worship to God? What are some of the challenges that maybe you face or you can see facing your community? Go ahead and take a few minutes on this. What are the biggest obstacles? Go for it. All right, as we come back together, we're just going to hear from this side of the room real quick. We just want to hear, what do you think some of the biggest obstacles that we probably need to overcome are in order to get there? What do we got? Sorry, I just pulled the uh, teacher card. <laughs> hey, sometimes uh, we commented the fact that we're engaged in worship and then it abruptly ends. And sometimes we're putting a time li limit on worship. Um, sometimes that can be jarring, and we commented that sometimes we're programming the Holy Spirit out. Cool. Yep. Awesome. Thank you. It's really good. Uh, feeling unsafe and not sure how to relax and worried about what people will think if you, you know, worship or dance or um, cry or raise your hands. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, it's a big one. Bad coffee. No. <laughs> just Sorry, just joking, just joking. Just, you know, to bring it back down. Yeah. Um, yeah, we had very similar things to you guys. Um, but being genuine and intentional was a big one for us too. Yeah. Um, of where you're at. Cool. Yep. Allowing people to be genuine and intentional. It's good. Um, we've got weariness. Um, like our mindsets where our priorities... Um, we like you know when you're stressed or tired, you might turn to a beer or something rather than tuning into God. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just being having so much available, um, like all oh, these churches, home group. Oh, I can't be bothered with any of it. You yeah. know, um, lack of faith in God when circumstances aren't what we expect or mm -hmm. we want, and um, underestimating God. Cool. Yeah in our introspection. <laughs> That's good. Well done. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, last one. Let's hear from that group at the back. Uh, we didn't really have anything that anybody else hasn't really said yet, but we did put down um, yellow boots because we saw someone with yellow boots down the back and we, we made a joke about that. It was very funny, but I guess, I guess you just had to kind of be there. <laughs> yellow boots. Yellow boots. Awesome. Well, hey, look, we're going to draw it to a close. Thank you for joining in on this. I know this is weird. Uh, it's not normally you go to a church and you have to turn around and talk to the people around you, but it's really, really important. 
And I really believe that God is wanting to work within us. And I really believe that Jesus is meeting with us as we gather. And my hope is that we as a church constantly keep that as the heartbeat of our community. Amen.